Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Let's hear about this episode's topic. Hi, I'm Ellen. I have a six-year-old daughter with frequent nosebleeds. I'm wondering what I should do to make them stop and when I should start to get worried about them. So nosebleeds, that's a really common problem. This is really a great (laughs) question, and it really brings me back. Yeah, well, I mean, what does it bring you back to? It is super common. (laughs) It brings me back to being a kid, because I just remember that as a kid, it was a common problem that, like, you know, kids, like my my friends and stuff, like people would just get like nosebleeds and there'd be like be blood everywhere. Oh, I know. My best friend has the initials BN and she used to get bloody noses all the time. And so everybody used to call her bloody nose, like BN bloody nose. But it is Uh so many kids get them. It's very common. And so it's a great question. And I'm glad we're talking about it today. Nosebleeds are really common. So 60% of people in the U.S. have experienced a nosebleed, which actually doesn't seem like as many as I would have expected. That surprises me, too, because I really would have thought it'd be closer to like 100% of people would have experienced a nosebleed. Right. But I guess some people may have just had a tiny bit, like, you know, they pick their nose and then it bleeds a tiny bit, but not like the people that get true nosebleeds. So 60% of people in the United States have experienced a true nosebleed, at least to the point where they maybe would have sought care so that we can collect data on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they're not responding correctly to the survey. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Young kids tend to get nosebleeds more commonly than older children and adults. And in medicine, we call a nosebleed epistaxis is the medical term that you might hear for a nosebleed. And they're most common in children less than 10 years of age. And the vast, vast majority of them are mild. Really, they resolve on their own with, with a little help. Mm-hmm. So we should talk today about what parents can do to help stop the bleeding when their kids do have nosebleeds. And also what to do if the nosebleed doesn't stop when they should seek medical attention and also about children who have lots and lots of nosebleeds. So we're going to talk about nosebleeds, also known as epistaxis, in otherwise healthy children. Right. So we're not talking about children with like bleeding disorders or tumors or trauma to the face or those who've had recent sinus surgery. Right. That's their own category. And you should always talk to your physician in those categories if your child is experiencing nosebleeds. Right. So we're talking about kids with no underlying risk factors. So why do kids and I guess sometimes adults get frequent nosebleeds Mm -hmm. most commonly? What are they doing? Well, they're picking their nose, right? Right. You put your finger right on it. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. (laughs) So nosebleeds are going, most of them are going to come from the anterior nasal septum. So the nasal septum is the cartilage that separates the two nostrils. So that's in the middle part of the nose. And that is the anterior part of that, which is most accessible to little fingers, if you think about them sticking their fingers up their nose, has blood vessels in it that are the most likely area to bleed. 
And if you were looking at Dr. Lena right then, she was demonstrating the exact part of the nose that <laughs> that um, was most likely to bleed. <laughs> trying to stick my finger up my nose, but I haven't done that in a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so trauma to that area from a finger really may cause bleeding. Right. And then it's also susceptible to other things. So when you have a cold in the winter and you're getting inflammation in the nose from congestion or blowing your nose frequently, if kids are running and they fall and hit that part of the nose or kind of get hit with a ball or something like that, or of course they're curious and exploring, especially at certain ages, and they may put something up their nose and cause trauma that way. Yeah, children do curious things, like put things in their nose. Yeah, why do you think they do that? Yeah, so when I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, it's a developmental issue. And so I asked our child development specialist, Dr. Mary Beth Steinfeld. Mm -hmm. What did she tell you? Why do kids stick things everywhere? You know, she talked about how around nine months of age, children start using their index finger more, and they use it as a tool to poke and explore and point at things. Mm -hmm. And so they're technically exploring their nose to see what they can find up there. Right. And it, it doesn't hurt when they stick their finger in their nose. It's not like they're poking their eye or something like that. Then they learn not to do that, right? So if there's a hole, why not, why not stick their finger in it? <laughs> That's true. And then when they're older and they're playing with small toys, they might do the same thing. They might like wonder, you know, hey, I wonder if this toy would fit in my nose. Yeah. So I think we've, speaking of holes, fallen down a bit of a rabbit hole and we should get back on to the topic of nosebleeds. But it is always important to discuss developmental milestones and understand that, that the nose picking, while well, some parents, you know, are like swatting the hand away, like, stop doing that, stop doing that. It is good to reinforce, but it's also a developmentally normal and appropriate thing for kids to do. Once they start getting a little bit older, that's when you need to intervene. <laughs> Right. For, for social norms. Social norms, exactly. So we've established one of the common causes of nosebleeds, which is picking, but there are other things. So we already talked about inflammation from when you have a cold. If you have seasonal allergies, that can be common. Um, if you're using certain medications, like I use um, Flonase, which is a nasal spray that can cause you to have increased um, nosebleeds during allergy season. And then dry weather or dry air can also really increase the risk of bleeding. But so now that we've talked about some of the common reasons, let's talk about how we treat it, like what the first step is when you notice your child has a nosebleed. So first of all, I think we need to acknowledge that it's, it looks like it's a lot of blood, and the sight of blood is scary to a lot of people. Right. I mean, it's very scary, and it sometimes looks like a huge amount of blood. Like, it you know, fills up the kid's shirt, and the parents think that they're exsanguinating, like bleeding out. But most of them, it is a smaller amount of blood, and it's not dangerous. So the first thing to do for the parent is really to stay calm and understand that, you know, the vast majority of nosebleeds, more than 90%, they're not serious and they are going to resolve. Right. And of course, like we've talked about before, your child is going to look to you and see how you're responding. So if you're very worried and upset, your child's going to pick up on that and feel the same way. Yeah, so stay calm and then keep your child sitting or standing and then leaning slightly forward. Mm -hmm. Because if you, like, I think back when I was a child, you would 
pinch your nose and throw your head back is something that you used to learn. And over time, we've learned that that's not what you want to do because actually that will force the blood to go back down the nasal septum and into the throat and cause your child to swallow blood. And and any blood is very irritating to the stomach. And so then they could throw up or be very nauseous. And then it it just makes the whole thing worse. Right. I mean, just imagine there's like blood everywhere because the child has a nosebleed and maybe they're crying and then they throw up. I mean, that is really... And there's blood in the throw up because they swallowed it. And so that is scary, even scarier to parents. So try and lean forward when you're pinching the nose, which we'll talk about how long to do that. You also um, used to see people like stuffing tissue paper or toilet paper up their nose. And actually, that can dislodge the blood clot that's working to help form to stop the nosebleed. And so unless it's being done by a professional, like a medical professional, we actually don't recommend stuffing any tissues or toilet paper in, in the nostril. No, and that could actually just cause more trauma. So instead, you want to firmly pinch the soft part. I was doing it, so you, that's why I started sounding mm-hmm. nasally. But <laughs> you, uh, you want to pinch the soft part of the child's nose. And it's like the lower third of the nose where we talked about is like the anterior nasal septum lies. And then you want to apply pretty firm pressure. If you want to use a cold compress, like if you have like a um, something frozen in the freezer you could use, but just you want to apply very firm pressure to that area. And it's the soft part of the nose that I'm squeezing my nose too, so getting (laughs) nasally. But yeah, I mean, you can feel it on your own nose. It's like the soft part at the bottom part of the nose. That's the part to squeeze. Yeah. And honestly, in older kids, you can teach them how to do this. It's not like you as the parent need to do it. But there is a hard part. And that is the time that you need to spend pinching the nose. Right. So it's best to do this for 10 minutes. Right. And I mean, that is a long time when you think about it. And you don't want to relieve the pressure because what you're doing is you're essentially helping with the pressure clot off the little bleeding blood vessel. And so when you hold and release, so say you're holding for two minutes and then you say, oh, I want to take a peek and see if this has stopped bleeding, which many people want to do, then that sort of starts the clock all over again, if that makes sense. So you actually have to give a firm, consistent pressure for 10 minutes. Yeah. And then almost all bleeds will stop after 10 minutes. But if it continues to bleed, you have to do it again because some of them do just need a little bit more time. And so really it can take up to 20 minutes. So two of these 10 minute sessions for a bleed to stop. What I would recommend doing is setting an alarm on your cell phone so that you actually know how much time it is because 10 minutes, trust me, it'll feel longer than it actually is, especially when you have a crying kid, blood, you know, blood on your hand. So really apply that pressure. I have taken care of kids in the hospital that have had nosebleeds, and I'm always like shocked at how long the ear, nose, and throat doctors tell us to hold pressure. They're like, keep holding pressure, and then sure enough, it works. So it is challenging, but this is the best strategy to get it to stop. So that's 90% of the time it'll get it to stop, but let's talk about the other 10%. (laughs) There is another 10%. So you've pinched for 10 minutes. It's still bleeding. You pinch for another 10 minutes and it's still 
bleeding. So then you should get medical care for your child. So you can talk to the pediatrician or call someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or take your child to urgent care center or the emergency room. Right. And medical professionals at that point might consider a variety of different options. So I can't predict what they're going to do for your specific child. They will do an exam within the nose and take like a little sort of microscope looking thing to look up the nose and look for any blood vessels that are bleeding. They may actually put a material in the nose. It's what we use at our hospital is called a rhino rocket, which I always get a kick out of when a kid has one of those in, but rhino meaning nose. And it kind of looks like a fancy tampon that they shove up your nose um, and leave inserted, but it it needs to be inserted by a medical professional because it does provide that firm, consistent pressure that we talked about. And you actually leave it in for a long time, sometimes like over a day. And so it's not the same as just like shoving a tampon or toilet paper up your nose that you're going to pull out like in an hour because you want to go outside and you don't want anyone to see you like that. <laughs> right. And it's not medical grade material. So that could increase risk of infection or other problems. I knew you were going to go there. Always well, bringing it back to infection. So there's other options too um, for persistent bleeding. They, after they really inspect the inside of the nose for the bleeding site, they can apply a medication to shrink the blood vessels so they bleed less, or even apply a chemical substance like silver nitrate or a heated instrument to stop the bleeding. Mm -hmm. And there are some warning signs to indicate that it could be a more significant bleed that would require emergency attention. Right. So if the child bled a lot, they would become pale or not responsive or really sweaty. And this could really indicate a, a medical emergency. Yeah. And then bleeding from the mouth or throwing up blood or brown material that looks like coffee grounds, that can indicate that it's older and so that there has been bleeding that has been going on for some time. And that's definitely important to be seen for. Right. Or if you get these nosebleeds after getting trauma to the head, I mean, you could have a more significant injury than just a nosebleed. Okay. So let's talk about the child who gets lots and lots of nosebleeds. What should we do for them? Right. Maybe they call them BN for bloody nose. <laughs> so we mentioned that nosebleeds are very common. Uh, many experience them as many as a few times per week, especially during certain seasons. We mentioned some common causes of nosebleeds like nose picking or nasal inflammation because of getting a cold or seasonal allergies. Right. So if you always see your kid's finger up their nose or you know that they have a cold or an allergy attack, then it's not a mystery. They probably don't need further evaluation. That's the most likely culprit. Another common cause may be low humidity, and that dries out the nose and increases the chances for bleeding. The mucous membranes get dried out, and they crack, and then they bleed. And so many people will note that they will get nosebleeds more in the winter when the air is drier. It's cold air outside, and you have a heater on the inside, and that dries out the air, and that means that there's going to be low humidity um, inside. So that might increase nosebleeds, too. 
Yeah. So if your kid is one of those kids that seems more susceptible to weather changes or dryness, then sometimes putting saline or salt water drops or sprays in the nose may be recommended. Um, one thing I sometimes recommend is if a kid is sleeping in a room with a heater on um, with dry air is putting a little bit of Vaseline or petroleum jelly just into the anterior part of the nose to keep it moisturized. And that can help prevent nosebleeds as well. Yeah, and then you could also consider using a humidifier or a vaporizer, and like you mentioned, especially in the room where they're where they're sleeping. But now we're talking about kids that have frequent nosebleeds, but it doesn't apply to one of the conditions above. So they're not pickers, they're not, they don't have allergies, then what's next? Well, then we look to anatomical problems of the nose. So there could be an abnormal growth, um, like a polyp is one reason that you can get nosebleeds. Or even a problem with coagulation, so that's the body's ability to form a blood clot. Or if kids are taking certain medications, like I mentioned, the my nasal spray for allergies can increase your risk. But also things like aspirin or ibuprofen that actually thin the blood or some other over-the-counter supplements, those can all increase your risk. And then some children might have a bleeding disorder, and actually the nosebleeds can be the clue that they have a bleeding disorder. So the most common genetic um, causes um, that might present as nosebleeds is von Willebrand disease, and other family members may have had a history of prolonged bleeding or bleeding after dental procedures or circumcision or heavy menstrual cycles. And there's other disorders like hemophilia. Those are also possible, but those are less common. And those usually present with more severe bleeding. Those are usually more really obvious. Mm-hmm, from a young age. Um, so definitely, if you don't see an obvious reason for frequent nosebleeds, please come and see your pediatrician so that we can look into what might be causing them. And then what about the child who has severe and recurring nosebleeds or bleeding from both nostrils? That's the same case. They should be seen by their pediatrician, and in some cases, there may warrant a referral. Mm-hmm. A referral to a pediatric otolaryngologist, an ENT specialist. Right. And they really specialize in this. They see it all the time. They have fancy instruments. Dr. Dean talked about cauterizing, which is like where they nip that kind of culprit blood vessel that bleeds more in some children. So they can do all of that fancy stuff that your pediatrician might not be able to do in the office. So let's summarize some of the main points from our discussion on nosebleeds or epistaxis in children. So nosebleeds are common in children, and especially for children less than 10 years of age. It usually originates from the anterior nasal septum, the front part, so in front of that cartilage piece, the soft piece of your nose. And the common causes of nosebleeds are trauma, most often because children pick their nose, and also dry air or inflammation. When your child has a nosebleed, it's important to remember to stay calm. Have your child lean slightly forward and don't have them lie down. Pinch the soft part of the nose and apply firm pressure for 10 minutes. It's a really long time, but it's the most important part. The most important, right? And don't stuff any tissues or other material in the nose. This may cause further trauma and further bleeding. Right. If the bleeding continues after 10 minutes of firm, direct pressure, then repeat for another 10 minutes. If after two 10-minute periods of firm pinching, it's still bleeding, then call your pediatrician or go to an urgent care center or the emergency room. Right. 
And for severe recurrent nosebleeds without an obvious explanation, definitely see your pediatrician for further workup. So let's get back to the parent who um, introduced this um, episode about um, their child really experienced frequent nosebleeds. Right. I hope that we reassured you to say that this is a very common problem. Your kid is in the age group for sure where they're starting to explore. They may be sticking their fingers up their nose. If you have a a history of allergies or, you know, if kids are getting frequent colds, this could be predisposing her. So I hope that we gave you some reassurance. Remember, firm direct pressure for at least 10 minutes. And um, if you have further concerns, your pediatrician would be happy to talk to you about them. And that reminds me of a joke. Okay, so what do you say to someone with a nosebleed once the bleeding stops? I don't know. What? Coagulation. Oh, like congratulations? That's Uh kind of a nerdy medical one. All right, that's a good one. It is a nerdy one, yeah. Yeah, it is a nerdy one. (laughs) So when you were a kid, did you get a lot of nosebleeds? No, I didn't. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've had a few in my life. I probably have can count the number on one hand that I've had, and it was really? usually very mild and resolved. You seem like you were a kid that had a lot of nosebleeds. I was a kid who had a well, not only nosebleeds, but I was you know I was one of those kids who was kind of clumsy and like always like whacking my forehead and then that would bleed and I need stitches or my knee or something else. But it reminded me also of um, when you talked about the nasal spray and I've got seasonal allergies and I use some generic nasal spray. It's some steroid. I don't know what it is. I can't remember mm-hmm. the name. Fluticasone. But I, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And I get that same thing, you know, in the winter or in the, in the spring with the spring allergies. Um, yeah, I get you know, I start getting nosebleeds and I think, why am I getting a nosebleeds? And then I remember, oh, because I'm using this nasal spray. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of common causes. And I know that it can be a real, for kids, especially in elementary and middle school, it is something that, especially when it happens around their peers, it makes them feel different. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it is a topic that can lead to bullying and other things. So we don't want to minimize that aspect of it either, because obviously when you're the center of attention for any kid for something that's not necessarily positive or is scary to them, that can be, you know, hurtful. So it's important to talk to your kids about this too and explain that it's very normal and very many kids get them. So yeah, good point. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. 